Hey guys, welcome to Happy, Said, Confused. I am Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of my podcast. I'm very excited to be back home in New York City after being away for over two weeks for work. That sounds like high-class problems, and it is. It was a lot of fun. I was in uh, L.A. for the Oscars. Got a chance to cover those. Always fun. Went to South by Southwest. Ate way too much food. And back to L.A. for other assorted shoots, including a couple podcasts I got a chance to sneak in in my time there. And that's one of the things I'm going to bring you today. This is a really, really fun interview I did with Paul Shear, who is awesome. If you haven't seen Human Giant, get thee to a computer right now and look up on YouTube some of their classic stuff. He, of course, is all over uh, TV and the internet, etc. Uh, he has a comic book called Aliens vs. Parker out. He's got NTSF SD SUV, of course. He's been on the league. Uh, he's got a ton of stuff going on in LA. He's always doing improv at the UCB. Uh, and of course, in the podcast world, he's one of my inspirations. How did this get made? Is such an awesome podcast, one of my favorites, and truly one of the reasons why I'm uh, giving this all a go. Uh, Paul was very nice enough to invite me over to his home. I got a chance to see his home office and see all his nerd paraphernalia everywhere. He is truly one of the nicest, smartest, funniest guys out there. Uh, I know you guys are going to love this conversation. He is endlessly amusing. So here it is. Without any further ado, my chat with Paul Shear. Enjoy. Should we do this, Paul? Let's do it. I'm very excited. This is very exciting. Uh, this is a first for my podcast uh, in in the young in the infancy of my podcast, and that um, I've infiltrated someone else's home. So yeah, I, you I have apologize. come to my house. Very rarely do I have people come to my house, uh, so this is very exciting. You're very. Uh, well, you left the window open. I appreciate I, that. <laughs> Um, I say that as if like I'm worried about people coming to my house. Uh, I'm not. I just is uh, just it's rare. Normally, I'm in weird people's houses right. for podcasts. Like right. I'm always like come into my closet and we'll record here. I'm like all right, and I drive somewhere out to Echo Park or Silver Lake, right. climb up like five you know flights of stairs <laughs> and get into like a cupboard. I partially, I feel like I'm here to learn from the, the master. I've told you what a big fan I am of. Of how did this get made? You're very nice. Um, do you feel like any, any do's and don'ts for the, the the novice podcaster out there as I embark on this great journey? Uh, I think you listen to your fans. It's always good. Like uh, fans are good. Like I feel like they're a good place. But then also, remember you're doing this for free. Like people can't put all these things on you. A lot of people with our podcast are like, you should do one every week, and they get mad. Like whenever we miss an episode, there's an anger. And it's like, guys. Free, like we're working our asses off. We're doing it, and it's, it's fun, and then we have love doing it. But the irrational anger, don't let that get you down. It will get you like okay. some people nice will request a lot of your time, but that's it. Just have fun. I'm uh, excited. Yeah. I'm excited. So, okay. it's, yeah, it's fun. Podcasting is, I think, harder than you would expect it to be. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's funny because, like, uh, one of the first things I ever got into, like, in college, like, I was into radio. Like, yeah, I thought I was going to be like. Like yeah. first, I thought I was going to be like the Yankees broadcaster, play-by-play guy. That was my dream <laughs> as a child. And then I did like a like, college like interview radio show. And then whatever you go down other routes. Who are you interviewing in your college shows? Oh my god, this was such a scam. So I was doing. I went to a school in upstate New York called uh-huh. Hobart, which was a small school. Sure. And we had like a little NPR affiliate that like eighty, literally eighty people listened to. Okay. And um, so I would 
scam people by basically like faxing these interview requests to like publishers and stuff and saying I do a talk show for an NPR affiliate and they would assume that it was like a real show that's perfect yeah I had, I had Conan on the show wow I fucking had Jimmy Carter on twice like it wow. was absurd that's amazing. So that I, is, I peaked at 20, basically. You see, that's better than me. I spent my childhood, again, also loving the idea of like wanting to be in radio. Yeah. Like, And I would, every Friday night, my parents were divorced, so my dad would pick me up on Friday nights and we would go over to his house. And before he would come, I would come home from school, I'd kind of go through late night talk shows, pick my favorite jokes from their monologues, right. which is how I understood how to write material. <laughs> And uh, and then record my own radio show with music and uh, like introductions and stuff like that. A lot of tape to tape recording action. Of course, um, that never made it professionally aired. Then I had a kid who stayed at my house one time, who was kind of like involved with drugs a little bit, and he recorded all over all my classic <laughs> my classic radio broadcasts to my dad, where I was just. Uh, Doing great jokes about like Mets pitchers, <laughs> classic. Yeah, uh, it's gonna be all part of the uh, the Paul Shear presidential library. That, that is it. <laughs> those tapes are valuable. I wish I had those tapes. Uh, I mean, I'd be embarrassed by them, but just to know that they were taped over. My friend who was at uh, my house, like I had like uh, back in the day for those people who are listening and don't even understand what we're talking about. <laughs> uh, there are like these cassette tapes, and I mounted one on the wall, like a holder on the wall, so there would be like you could put like thirty six of your favorite cassette tapes on the wall. And I had them all labeled and ready to go. My friend was stealing them to make his own mixes, but leaving the boxes, the cassette boxes, in there, so I didn't know until I went to go pull them out later on. They're all empty. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Sobering moment in your just life. killed me. Killed all my classic material. <laughs> and I killed that man. I know that. <laughs> and you went to jail for three years. Uh, but you're yeah. fine now. It was classic material. It was like... <laughs> so, uh, I, I, I doubt you remember this, but mm-hmm. in our first uh, ever interaction, mm-hmm. Paul, I was working on the great John McEnroe talk show. You were there? I was there. <laughs> oh my gosh, I don't remember that. So so for context, because yes. why would anybody know this? Mm-hmm. John McEnroe had a talk show on uh, CNBC. They thought it was a brilliant idea to give him a late night talk show. Well, I know a little bit about this too. Like, like I have so many things to share about this. <laughs> the, the premise that I had always heard was uh, John McEnroe was going to be a part of a like a best damn sports show kind right. of thing. So it was going to be, he was one member of a five-member team. And then for whatever reason, that five-member team was put together. People kept on dropping out, dropping out, dropping out. And then eventually became like, oh, hey, we'll just let John McEnroe host his own talk show. Like every conceit of the original idea fell apart. And it was just like <laughs> John McEnroe behind the desk, like Letterman style, yep. doing a talk show. No experience in comedy. Nope. Uh... Not an interviewer. Not an interviewer. I would even say not really the best on-air personality. Right. But the minute the camera stopped, amazing stories. He, uh, yes, a great guy. Smart guy. Smart. Loves art, loves culture, has the coolest friends. But here was my thing. Yes. My experience watching him be a talk show host is when you, you need someone as a talk show host that is more curious about the other person than about themselves. And I think John... I love John. Yes. He's great. I don't know if he actually gave a crap about anybody. He never got the sense that he really wanted to be there. Um, and he was very nice to me. Like, he got Rob Hubel and I write whatever we wanted to do and just do dumb bits on the show. But he also, like, 
I felt like he was a guy like all, like a sport like a typical sports guy. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll do this. Like it was yeah. like it was like, I can do comedy. Like he, had, <laughs> there was no like there was no yeah, like work. Comedy on. is something that actually takes a hell of a lot of work. Yeah, it's like <laughs> delivery or anything. And it was it felt for such a stilted. It was so stilted and so weird. If you look online, you should definitely find it. I was actually talking to Eric Andre about this yeah. the other day, and he was like, "What? He had a talk show." Now here's a crazy. Like, I want to hear how we met each other, but I also want to tell you this <laughs> one fact about John Macaron. So, we worked with him for a long, uh, a while, you know, off and on, and nice, just treated us really well. Sure. Uh, and so, I was at the Howard Stern birthday party a couple weeks ago, and everyone is there, and, and of course, John Macaron was there, and then Beth Ostrowski Stern, uh, or Beth O, she is there. I worked with Beth once, once, and it was like for an afternoon for like three hours. I walk by her. She's like, oh, my God, Paul, so good to see you. That was so fun. When we did that thing eight, nine years ago, like right. literally longer than I've been dating my, my current wife, <laughs> like uh, to almost a decade ago. And, uh, and then I see John McEnroe at the table, and I go, hey, John, and Paul she, he looked at me like <laughs> I was a demented person, like trying to get something from him. And I tried to explain, like, yeah, we did everything. I sat in your office for hours. We did bits. You saw me at UCB. That talk show, you that late night talk yeah. show, which you would think is a big moment in anyone, even John McEnroe's life, did not did not even register. <laughs> it didn't. It felt like even when I said, "Remember, I worked with you on the talk show." I was like, I don't even think you registered having a talk show. <laughs> but I really was. I was of all the moments of like not being like recognized, and I'm not one of those people because sometimes I know I have issues where like I may work with somebody and not remember them, but. Like, he was so disconnected, so checked out. And I was also wearing a tuxedo, too. So I felt like I'm in some some level where you could be like, hey, this guy is all right. We can, he's in. He's in on some <laughs> level. Like, I, But blew me off so hardcore. I was like, all right, sit back down next to my table next year. I'll see you later, buddy. Well, what I remember is, because uh, I was in it from the start. Like, when, okay. like, like, like we were developing that show for a couple months. And it was a relatively early job for me in yeah. my career. So I didn't know any better. Yeah. Um, and, and were you a writer? You were... well, I was a segment producer. Okay. But that's an excellent question. Did we have writers? The answer yeah. would be no. Paul. Right. That's the whole thing. Yeah. We were doing a late night comedy talk show that's with what no I writers until you guys came. You were like our savior. We were like, oh, wait. Okay, we're, 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 we're dying here. We need help. Bring in Hubel and oh, Shear. They're going to save us. Well, you know, it, it was so weird because John McEnroe was coming to ASCAD. And he was like, yeah, they, these guys. At that point, too, we were just like, we were new. Like, we were new with this whole right. thing, too. We didn't know what was going on. So we're the same age, ultimately. So, like, we're like, all right, this is cool. Like, a late night talk show. And it could have been cool. And it was like, you know. And, uh, yeah, that was, uh, it was fun. I mean, we got to do fun stuff. But it was so weird. And, yeah. yeah. You so you worked with Jack Helmuth, who, of course. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh! Wow, wow, wow. Um, yeah, that is a crazy. It's wow. Actually so amazing. yeah, that that group actually has turned out amazingly. It, it, yeah, we were on perhaps the worst talk show ever. And Brooke Posh, who's gone is off, really to, yeah. at Comedy Central. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. That actually is a good group. And who was that older guy? Like, was his name Woody? Like the older? <laughs> there was an older producer who was kind of like what um what uh what like Rip Torn was on the Larry Sanders show. Like couldn't like Central Casting. He Woody Frazier. Yes. Was uh, he was like literally the guy that was like Mike Douglas's producer. He was yeah. like they they brought him out of Carbonite basically 
to again save the show midstream. It was also like, and it was like, and again, like the 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 point being like, the, and now no offense to John, but you couldn't mold that show into anything more than it was like, no. you know, like Johnny Carson, Jimmy Fallon, whatever. You want to take these guys who are naturally talented and make them better? Yeah, right. you could do that. <laughs> like this guy was like brought in like like a stopgap. Like I remember him describing the show to me as he goes, the show is a dam. And there's all these leaks in the dam. And you can only, you only have so many fingers to put in the holes where the leaks are. And he's like, so that's what we're trying to do. We're just trying to fill up the biggest holes first and then see what we can do. That really, that, that speaks volumes. That really says, I'm trying to make a great piece of art here. <laughs> so we're, um, I'm sure you, I feel like you have dozens of like those kinds of stories. Like, the, like I mean, like from the acting career, I know you had the you had an infamous experience on Meet Dave, the classic yes. Eddie Murphy. Yes, classic comedy. Eddie Murphy. Kind of. What do you put at the top of your list in terms of like the most absurd jobs that like st- jump out at you as the ones that were like, how the like, hell did this even happen? Well, I mean, there's always one that I talk about that is less in the entertainment field, but kind of is too. Okay, it was. Uh, I like. I my friend was like, hey, look, you, you know, um, they're looking for actors for this uh, project. Do you wanna you wanna be in this? And I was like, yeah, hundred percent. Little did I know that what they wanted me to be was a human billboard. They strapped like a 30-inch television to my body, like on this rig, put me in rollerblades and made me roll around the city, rollerblade around the city, which I never had done, uh, and pass out like America Online, like uh, <laughs> CD-ROMs or whatever it was. Uh, like that was a that was a horrible experience because I didn't know how to rollerblade and I had a piece of heavy equipment that I had to like sign a contract saying that I would buy it if it would uh, well if, not to mention it sounds like you could literally die because, oh, I mean easily easily uh, <laughs> I was with a bunch of people who were really good at rollerblading too and that was not good and there's another situation I just was telling uh, my wife about this the other night I totally forgot again and I, it was like I auditioned for this commercial and it was for Xbox I was like oh, forget about it this I'm in <laughs> right there's Where, one gig I'm destined for I'm gonna I'm not, <laughs> this is gonna open up the movie doors everything everything is happening with this so the commercial for Xbox, and the idea was you're playing Xbox, and this is before Xbox didn't have con- uh, wire, uh, didn't have wireless controllers. So the the cord of the controller kind of like was pulling me off the couch and pulling me, pulling me, and then it rips me off the couch, and I am dragged through New York City to get to like the Jacob Javits Center or wherever this <laughs> Xbox, whatever I needed to, whatever the commercial was for. So I was very excited. I was like, this is great. This is commercials. I did not realize how low budget it was. Like now if I looked on it, I'd be like, oh, I could have died. Because again, someone strapped something to me. They made me get on a very small skateboard. Right. And they hooked me up with a, um, they made the cord of my Xbox a little bit stronger, like with a rope. And then they were dragging me through the city on my stomach on a skateboard down Fifth Avenue in between two giant MTA buses, exhaust fumes in my face. If I tilted to the left or right, I would be off in the in the middle of Fifth Avenue during rush hour traffic. And the, they were in a follow car. They were in a, a lead car. And so there was a guy in front of me. Um, with a like a spray can of like chocolate syrup and water, and just spraying my face to make it really dirty as I, <laughs> as I got like dragged through Fifth Avenue. It was the most de- I I should have been dead. Like right. I could literally I didn't even have to put my arms out uh, like half an inch and I'd be touching buses and cars <laughs> speeding by me. And I'm so low on the ground. They're they're not even seeing. Like if you're driving, you're not looking for someone like literally no. laying on the ground. It's very rare. 
Dude, I was yeah. doing like a like that, that football movie where those idiots like laid in the road. Like that's what I was doing. But I was just on a skateboard. Like, hey, if you didn't hit me this time, I, I'm keep on moving. There's more chances for you to kill me. I just like that you referenced. I think the program. The program. With James Kong. Which, uh, which by the way had a very big uh, uh, thing on me because I worked at Blockbuster Video sure. and uh, those in Syosset, and that's where those kids uh, did it. They oh, did wow. it in this hometown. So the program we knew so much. And by the way, great pull on the program. Uh, the uh, uh, yeah, that was like a big story for us. Right. These dum dums did it, and uh, you know, and there was a whole thing about us not being able to rent the program. Right, we had to keep it like because we didn't want to remember remind the people of, of uh, Syosset, <laughs> the wonderful people of Syosset, New York, who uh, I worked with. Uh, people like Natalie Portman, uh, beautiful Natalie Portman, who was so so stunning at such a young age that I was like, who is this gorgeous woman? And her name was not Natalie Portman. No. Her schlag, I believe. Yes. So, like, it was like, it was like we were like, we, like, you know, go through, like, like her blockbuster profile and write notes in there and be like, I think she's famous. <laughs> we did not know. Uh, and then, uh, and the guy from House Party, not kid, but play. <laughs> Some of the... The true talent in there. Yeah, there's the, so a lot of talent there. So, uh, safe to say, I feel like from our many conversations over the years, we, we share many... Uh, of the same cultural references and the same kind of things we grew up with. What were I, I know you have some uh, borderline obsession with, for instance, um, JCVD. Oh yeah, uh, Vin Curley. Um, all basically yeah. the, the muscle bound. I mean, I love. I mean, I, I grew up on those action sure. movies. And I love all those dumb action movies. I like Expendables two more than I like Expendables one, <laughs> and I'm really hoping the Expendables three really brows it out of the water. But no, I mean, I like I like a good action movie. I'm a big Statham fan, even though like. One out of every six of his movies is good, like right. you know, and it, and it's. I'm very excited for Fast Six or Seven, whatever it's going to be. Whatever, I'm very sad, obviously. Paul Walker, uh, rest in peace. But the, uh, but I'm very, but I'm also very excited to, uh, to and, see and yeah. Russell with there too. It's going to be the best. Like, and and, and it, actually, I'm so upset because I think it's going to be tinged with so much sadness. Right. When it, it should have been, been something of pure joy. Like a, a, literally a perfect creation and sadly this horribleness has yeah, tainted your enjoyment. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, so no, I'm a big, I'm a big action, uh, action, dumb action movie fan. Have you met either like Vin or, or JCVD? Um, Vin Diesel? No. I'm, I'm trying to think of who I've met. I've met a couple of weird... You know, I get nervous. I don't like to meet people that I actually like. I feel like JCVD would not be a good meeting. Uh, Rob Hubel did a movie with him called like, Welcome to the Jungle uh, and seems to say he's an amazing guy. Um, so, uh, no, you know, so JCVD, very high up. Uh, yeah, no, I don't want to meet any of these people. I didn't... Well, that's a story I can't tell on this. <laughs> no worries. Okay, okay. But it's, it occurs to me that on NTSF, like, if you look at the guest star list, like, you got you yeah. got a chance to, like, enjoy yes. some of that. Oh, my gosh. We, I mean, that was the cool thing about NTSF was basically casting, uh, for lack of a better term, character actors who I loved. And, like, people that come to the top of my head, like, right away, like, like Lance Reddick, you know, from Fringe right. and The Wire and Oz. Amazing. Like, J.K. Simmons. Again, sure. amazing. And every single one of them, you know, Ray Liotta. Amazing. Like, they were all phenomenal. Like that show was really like in my like the casting of that was just saying like, oh, I can get anyone I want from Firefly to be in the show. Great, um, perfect. <laughs> was Ray Liotta cool? Because he's actually one of the few when people ask me interviews yeah. that scared me. He, yeah, he intimidated the shit out of me. He's an intense guy, yeah. but he was awesome. I, I will say that there, there is no the only person. There's been two people who have turned us down, point blank, uh, and was weird about it. One was uh, the Doctor Who guy, um, David Tennant. 
okay. Uh, and we were in London. We were shooting an episode in London, and and, uh, and David Tennant wants to get into comedy. He really wants to do comedy. We get him into comedy. He was like, oh, Karen Gillan's on our show. Right. This it's even a nice like entry point for him, like you know that he would know. We sent him the script, and in the entire time of doing the show, uh, everyone would pass politely to us. Uh, you know, like, oh, I'm busy, or like, uh, we had very few passes. We were very lucky. Uh, but he passed, and it was, we, we, the word we got back was like, not only did he not like this script, not only did he not think it was funny, but he was offended by it. And, I could, and it was so mind blowing well, to what me. What were you having him do? Nothing. Um, like nothing. Nothing to the point. Like, I think the only thing that I can I've been I've thought about it to a certain extent, and I think that this is what, going back to Ray Liotta. What kind of gets everybody? It's a short show. Now, granted, the London shows were like I was a half an hour, but we had a, a smaller part for him. It wasn't right. it wasn't the lead part. So maybe he was offended at the size of it. But then we went back to him with another role, and they're like, no, no, no. He is offended by this script. I was like, wow. Now, meanwhile, we worked with the best people over, like Anthony Stewart Head, who was right. like, uh, that was like a dream come true. And, uh, you know, of course, um, just, we worked with, I mean, every every influence that I've liked, I've tried right. to get in there. Ray Liotta is one of those guys that I was like, it'd be really funny to have him as like, this crazy guy who is like, a, like who thinks he's Jason Bourne, but he's not. Because he's got this kind of energy that's intense. Yeah. And so I want to go visit him in his trailer and... And uh, and he's getting his makeup done. He's lovely. And, and the thing you have to know about Ray Liotta too is that when he comes on set, every teamster is so psyched. Like they're like, and everyone is like everyone. Like it's one of those things. Like he's in Goodfellas. Like it's the it, like, he forever will he's be a treated. Man of the people. Ex- it was people were freaking out, right. and and uh, and we had a lot of like we had a lot of people on that show that you should like that there could have been a freak out for. Um, so I went in there and I was like, "Hey, hey, Ray, how are you doing?" He's like, "I'm good." He's like, uh, "You know what, what's going on with this?" He's like, uh, "There's only uh, there's only a couple pages here," and I go, "Well, that's." I said, "Yeah, but that's you know the script. We only do a 15 minute show. It's actually like 11 minutes and 20 seconds." So I said, "He goes, you need more pages," and I go, "Oh yeah." He goes like, "He goes, you need more pages." And he come, and he come on, tell me how many more pages. He goes, "You know, I'll do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it." You know, I was like, "Hey, look, if you do radio, give me a call. I'm gonna come. I'll do it." He's like, "But you need more pages. We gotta make it longer. We gotta make this longer." He came in, nailed it on the first take, and I always tell the story, and and I will say it one more time. I apologize if anyone's heard this, but it's what was so great about him is he really wanted to play, and he was thinking he's Jason Bourne, and he has all these karate moves. So at one point, unscripted, he grabbed a, uh, someone in the background, a background extra, and then threw them to the ground, and then like pounced on them, like but pinned them, but the floor was concrete, and if you ever were just like. Un, like not knowing and unwillingly picked up and slammed to the ground, it will hurt. And there, and, and there was a, a thing on this extra space where it was like, "Oh my god, I just got body slammed by Ray Liotta," but also like, "Oh my god, my back." And so, I think there's one take, and I think it's the one that we used in the show. As the guy is approaching Ray, it's a second take. You see him kind of shuck and jive, like to the left, because like Ray Liotta goes to go do it again, and the guy's like, "Ah!" Like he gets a little too nervous. Um, but Ray Liotta was one of those guys, like, easiest. Every, Amazing. like, we never had, every, I guess the other, the other thing, too, is, like, doing a show for Adult Swim, the money is what it is. No one's getting anything else. 
and we try to send them like a, a, a reel to let people know, hey, it's a fun show, just come and do it. And if they have, if their their mindset is to come and play, yeah, if they get to the set, they know what they're getting into. Exactly. Yeah. And I owe that all to Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum was the first person who said yes to the show, and we used his name to step on everybody else. We'd be like, Jeff Goldblum's doing totally. it, and like that first season, we had no, we had no, we had nothing to show. We didn't even have a pilot. We had a, a thirty second trailer. It was like, you want to come do this show? Like. And so Jeff Goldblum, I forever am in debt to him for doing that and uh, and, and helping us. We out. just shot for for my after hour series. We just shot a bit with Goldblum last week in New York. That was the the best. Honestly, it was like Jeff Goldblum fantasy camp. I'll show it to you another time. I or cannot something. wait. It's it's basically Jeff doing all of his his previous roles in a crazy like being John Malkovich like cafe. It's, oh. he was he couldn't have been like he comes on and he's one hundred and fifty percent Goldblum. He's like. The be- like he's everything that you want from him, and he's so interesting. He's so involved. Um, I did a show. I mean, I've done like you ask that question like weird experiences. I feel like I've yet to have a non weird experience. <laughs> uh, and, and like I did a show with him. It was an hour long drama called Reigns, and the idea of Reigns is that he was a detective and he would see dead people, but he's not really seeing dead people. He's seeing what his mind envisioned was the dead person, and his partner in himself crimes. Here's the catch. His partner was a dead person. Anyway, here's the thing. <laughs> and that show is now in its seventh <laughs> So we're doing this scene where he has to like beat me up. And then he's meeting me and someone's like, oh, and Frank Darabont was directing like a oh, wow. highlight of all highlights. Yeah. It was the best thing. So like Frank Darabont and, and I are walking in and to the set and we meet Jeff. And I'm a huge, huge, huge Jeff Goldblum fan. And he had found out that I was on, at that point, like I guess... Most notably for like best week ever, and he's like, "Ooh, uh, you on the uh, the?" And this is a bad Jeff Goldblum. He's like, "You on the I Love the Eighties?" And I go, and I said yes because I was like, Where, "I'm not going to say no and correct this." <laughs> Purse like, this out, yeah, whatever, exactly. it's fine. I still say yes when people ask me if I'm on Talk Soup. Yes. <laughs> sure. um, so I go, uh, he goes, uh, "Well, what did you say about the fly?" And I go, uh, he goes, well, I bet you said, what did you say about it? And I, and I, and, and like, and then I got caught in my own line. I was like, I don't know. I didn't say anything about the flying. <laughs> uh, but then he was so obsessed with that. And then he was singing to me and he huh. was doing things. And then, you know, I got to work with him again on, he came on NTSF first and then he came on to the league as, as Kroll's dad. Every single time it's amazing. And he, he does this thing in between takes, which I love, which is the like, uh, like, I don't think it. I don't think it's a Kevin Bacon game, but it's like a. What is it? They do the movie game. The movie He's game. Doing that with us too. Yeah. That's it. That, so that's what he does all the time. The movie game always is going. <laughs> on. And, and, and so you, he'll be like, you know, he'll be like, uh, um, um, you know, he'll be like uh, Sam, uh, El McPherson, Sirens, uh, Sam Neill, Jurassic Park, <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. You know, he always would go back to himself. And then as we're like we're in the between scenes, he'll be like, uh, you know, like uh, you know, uh, Steve Martin, put a pin in it. And action. He'll go right into the scene and then it'll be like and then it'll be like and cut. He's like, Steve Martin, the jerk. And then it'll go like right into the next thing. Like he just like, like it, that game oh. is always going on. And he was the coolest and he's so funny and he's everything you want. I couldn't have more affection for that man. Um and the fly, by the way, is like one of my top ten films oh, of all so time. Good. Perhaps a perfect movie. Um so your film career has been quite eclectic, your acting career yes. in film. What if you if you drop dead today, what do you think would be in the in memoriam package? Uh the in memoriam package. Uh I sadly <laughs> Sadly, I feel like it would have to be. If I, if you're judging by success ratio, it would have to be Piranha, uh, which is which I guess is a very you know a very successful film. But yeah, it's not, I've had an interesting batch of films. I've been Todd Phillips' least successful movie, School for Scoundrels, which arguably somebody posted a picture of this on Tumblr, and I was like, yeah, wow. 
the most interesting cast. Oh, yeah. It's like Andrew Daly, Aziz Ansari, myself, Matt Walsh, Horatio Sands, Jim Parsons with no lines. <laughs> um, but we all spent all this time in the classroom together. Uh, and there's a, a, a John Glazer. And I'm forgetting like, oh, Armin Weitzman. Uh, and there's like one or two other people that, like when you look at that school, the School yeah, for yeah, Scoundrel yeah, yeah. School, it is an awesome thing. We were never allowed to improvise. And um, the experience in total was a mixed bag. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton, one of the most amazingly interesting guys uh, out there. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was, a, it was a, that was an interesting movie. Um, what else have I done? That's like uh, I was in Bride Wars, which my wife wrote, and that was super fun to do with Anne Hathaway. It was an interesting experience uh, in there. And then uh, I, the funny thing about that, no, no offense to it, was like. I remember meeting Anne Hathaway. I was so excited. You know, I was like, oh, Anne Hathaway. And she was just, like, really getting serious with that guy, like, that scoundrel. Oh, the that she embezzled money or whatever, yeah. And I remember, and I, I was saying to my wife, I said to her, I was like, man, I'm, like, it's, she's so down to earth and with this, what a great guy. Like, I remember <laughs> really, like, because this guy, she, we were talking about this guy for such a long time. Like, we talked about him all day. And I was like... What a great guy. And there was such a... Like, when that story came out, I had a pit in my stomach. I was like, oh! Because, <laughs> like, it was so... Like, it was so... Like, it must have been just uh, a shocking uh, moment. <laughs> so are you... If the, for acting-wise, because you, you create so much of your own material, yeah. do you... Is that... How big a portion of, like, your brain is devoted to trying to go out for, for films? And, like, I mean, do you have, like, a strong ambition? And, like, do you go out on the auditions a lot for stuff? You or know, you... I try to go out... Fraud. I mean, yeah, I don't, I'm not like turning, I'm not like, no, I can't. <laughs> um, a lot of the times, and, and this has been a big problem, is that I am unavailable for a lot of stuff because even if I'm off when I'm auditioning, when they're actually shooting is when I can't go do it. So there's, there's always like missed opportunities on that. But I found, and this is kind of a thing that UCB instilled in me too, is like uh, just creating your own stuff. And then you don't have to wait around for someone to give you something. Um, and I found uh, success in doing stuff in TV. Movies seem a little bit more hard because you have to get more people to give money. And TV, it's if you you can. There's a sweet world in TV right now where if you do it cheaply enough, people yeah. kind of give you money, and 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 that's a great space to be. And it's like be able to create stuff and work on cool networks. Even when we started off on MTV, they were so great. They just let us do whatever we wanted. After our mid of our first season, when first season on MTV. We had like people who were like producing like Run's House, which was like a reality show sure. about Run DMC and or not Reverend Run, and like and people who had never worked in comedy giving us comedy notes. Like we had a sketch about a hot air balloon, and they were like, "Why are like hot air balloon cops? Like why would they ever be in a hot air balloon? Like if they're they shouldn't they be on the car, on the ground on a car? I was like like well that's the premise that they <laughs> it's too hard for them to do the." So we had those obstacles, but for the most part, they just let us do everything that we wanted, especially in our second season. I mean, the stuff on on Human Giant, some of it, I mean, Shutterbug, Still for My Money, is is some of the best stuff. Oh, thanks. It was super fun to do. So was there, not Sketch in particular, which you did a bunch of times, was there ever a a thought of expanding that into its own thing, or did it work in its own way there? Have you... Um, ever thought of revisiting it in some capacity? Well, it's funny because it's like we are actually all friends. Aziz, Rob, and I. I was actually at Aziz's party the other night, and it's like, and Rob and I perform every Monday night at a show that we started bef- uh, when we were doing Human Giant. So we all are performing and working together. I feel like I'm very happy with Human Giant being two seasons in the sense that we we were happy with each other, and there was no 
infighting and, and weirdness. And so when they offered us a third season, that was the same time as he's got Parks and Rec, and uh, and we were going to try to make it work, but we opted not to. And I, I still think that that was a good choice, a hard choice, yeah. because it, we felt really good, but I think it was the right one to make. And then we kind of teamed up for a sketch at the MTV Movie Awards of one year. Right. And then Aziz came on NTSF, and Rob has been on Parks, I've been on Parks, Rob's been on NTSF. So we all are around. I don't think that we've all three been in a room doing something on camera. Uh, we've been in a room socially. But uh, the funniest thing is we did a Family family Guy episode. No, uh, American Dad episode. Okay. And they cast the three of us. I was like, oh, this would be kind of fun. Like, three of us. And, you know, the animation takes so long to kind of figure out. And the other a couple of months ago, I was like, listen to that episode. I don't think I've ever... No one even tweeted at me that they heard that episode. <laughs> and I went back in and watched that scene and they just recast the three of our voices. <laughs> so <laughs> American Dad stunt casted us and recasted us. And from what I could tell... There wasn't much of a difference in what they were doing versus what we were doing. So that was a bummer. Was uh, that with another comedy trio of some sort? Yeah, I know. As I trying to listen, I was like, is this the whitest kids you know? What's going on in here? Um, um, yeah, so it, yeah, that was a, a very fun experience. So um, jumping, jumping around a, a bit, uh, I know you are obviously a, a big movie buff. Like, what, what's, the, like, what's the ultimate nerd franchise you would have liked to or still would like to jump into? If, like, if JJ called you and said... Uh, I have a part for you in Star Wars or in Star Trek or, or War of the Rings or whatever. What do you yeah. want to walk through the set of? Oh, my gosh. Part of me feels like, I mean, Star Wars is so amazing. Like, there's something about, like, Star Trek, to me, it seems the most gettable. Like, yes. you, like so it's like, I'm like, all right, that's, there's a chance to at least walk through that Enterprise well, like, Well, like, Christian Slater was in Star Trek VI in a cameo. I mean, so. uh, you don't have to tell me twice. <laughs> I know that exactly. Woke up uh, Sulu. There you go. Uh, you know, so... So, yes, like, it, it works. But for Star Wars, you have to be a certain type of look yes. or actor. And- yeah, and it's it's tough because it's... I don't know. It's a hard It's a hard world to get into. Like, I can't... I, I never assumed that I would ever be able to do any of that. I remember when the Hobbit stuff was coming around... They were looking at people, and and but you had to be like four feet tall. Like it was like there there was a height there was a height requirement. Like you couldn't be taller. Um, yeah, like the only thing. I mean, yeah, I would love to be in any of that stuff. Um, Have you ever gone up for like any of those things? Like, yes, I was up for Star Trek. Uh, not up. I an audition for Star Trek, and that was a crazy fun thing because I am friends with that casting director and she's very nice and I've gotten to do some stuff with J.J. Abrams who was very nice and I was like well maybe there is a world where I could just be on the bridge or something like again like this Christian Slater I don't even need anything and so the part I read was a scene from the first movie because they didn't even have a script when I was auditioning and it was like basically just going like shields are at 10 (laughs) Captain we have incoming shields and then you have to be like Moving left Locking and right, and I was like, and I and I just felt like I didn't nail it. I mean, I knew, like, but it was so hard because there was nothing there. It was sort of like, go take care of your wife. Like it was like a very, like it was like, right. the, like very. You're shouting out like tech jargon, and you're also saying like there was a thing like go go, and it's like, and it's actually a scene from the first movie. And I, I watch it, and I was like, how's this guy doing it? And you realize like the beauty of cuts. It's like. Yeah, they're not shooting that guy out in one whole moment where he's like, stop phasers shooting. How's your wife? Take care of your wife. And now, missiles coming. It's like, there's too much going on. Um, so, but I remember that Dave Keckner and I were in there, and it's our running joke to this day. I'm like, wow, you hear anything back from uh, Star Trek? <laughs> so, like, 
And we just thought, uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was nice for them to bring us in. But yeah, I mean, the Star Wars, I think, would be, I mean, that would That'd be, be a mind blower. That would change your everything. Life. It would be amazing. <laughs> what do you? Like, I mean, anything to be like in one of those movies that are like I was saying about that. Even Lord of the Rings, it's like one of these things that is just like everyone knows this thing. It's yes. like and I feel like a lot of my career is going like, yeah, I'm on this show on Adult Swim. Oh, what's Adult Swim? Oh, it's a Cartoon Network. Oh, what's well, Cartoon Network? Oh, it's a show. Well, it's actually, well, I don't know if I get it. You definitely get it. Right. But at, at midnight, it's sort of 10 o'clock, it switches over <laughs> to another thing. Oh, so the channel switches? No, no, no. It's the same channel. So what do I put? Look for it too. Sometimes it's CN though. Okay, so like it's like there's always, and they're like, oh, what's your show title? And this is my own fault. I'm like, NTSF, SDSCV, and they're like, what? And then I'm like, all right. And then I tell them and they laugh. And like, and then it's like, oh, what show are you on? Uh, I'm on the league. Oh, what channel is that on? <laughs> FX. Well, it's actually not on FX. Now it's on FX spinoff called FXX. So everything in my life is like these like five steps. Like, oh, I'm in this movie, Hell Baby. Oh, great. Where can I see it? Well, actually, you can go to some VOD. Oh, VOD, yeah. Like, uh, you get like Apple iTunes. You can go uh, to some... I'm in this thing. Just have a seat. I yeah. just need to get a cup of coffee. I need to like, I need to like give like a little piece of information. Like, like it's so it's. I love everything that I'm doing. It's just, it would be lovely to be able to be like, yeah, I'm in The Hangover. Like, hey, I know what that is. <laughs> like, uh, like it was a, the greatest achievement in my life uh, to a certain extent was I got to be on Modern Family. I've done much bigger things. Uh, it was a guest star part. I mean, like uh, for acting wise for sure. myself. And, but when I was on Modern Family, forget about it. My family went nuts. I was like, we get this. We understand. This is a show. It's on a, a, a network that we understand and we can watch it. Like that, and, and even 30 Rock was a little bit too niche for their taste. Right. So like, like uh, Modern Family was the, right. the ultimate, like, <laughs> I really felt like, uh, and I got a little bit of that on, on Bride Wars because that was a, a right. bigger movie, and there's so many people come up to me and like rookie coup, but it, it <laughs> but it, it is it is often like I I feel like I'm always like here's ten steps to get to this thing that I am right. doing. We, the, we need to get you on NCIS or something that just brings the world together. <laughs> yeah, like one of those things. It's like I was talking to a friend who's on a, one of these CBS multicam shows, and you know, and I'm all like I'm I you know I'm a, a peacock about my NTSF ratings. I'm like we get good ratings. We get. Average to what uh, what NBC gets on their primetime. We're getting at midnight, you know. And he's like, oh, yeah, we get 13 million viewers on our shows. Got it. Cool. All right. (laughs) See you later. Bye. Yeah, we're not getting Bones numbers or, like, rhythm. You're not making Boreana's money. No, we're not getting Big Bang (laughs) bucks over here. Uh, Yeah, so, but it's, uh, but the freedom of all that, too, is is getting to work with cool people and getting to do shit that that is kind of unfiltered, you know. So that... That is, I mean, at the end of the day, I know it's like it's like a weird struggle to be like, I'd love to be in Star Wars, but, you know, it's fun to do. Uh, I have uh, brought out the uh, weird Indiana Jones fedora filled yes. with a grab bag of questions. I'm so excited about this. This is, this is uh, as you know, this is what everyone really will like. This is it. This is the Indy hat. <laughs> Would you have a name for this? This is a grab bag. Well, I, the, the, the podcast we're calling Happy, Sad, Confused for no discernible okay. reason. Uh, but the, why is it the Indy hat? I don't know, because I wanted... I and by the way, you should know as a podcast listener that this is... He brought the hat to my house. Yeah, the I hat look, is here. This is not even... He's not like, oh yeah, just say it's in an indie hat. It isn't an indie hat. No, I look like a crazy person walking into your house <laughs> with an Indiana Jones fedora. Um, a replica... I probably sadly got this actually around the time of uh, Crystal Skull, but let's not talk about no, that. No, please, no. <laughs> um, Maybe, honestly, for my money, the, the most disappointing film-going experience in my life. You know, I think I have to agree with you. And I... Re- I recognize LA, LA as being a bad place to see movies uh, because when I moved out here, there's a couple big ones. Indiana Jones being one of them, seeing it at a midnight movie. 
and just being utterly disappointed uh, and so like sad. Phantom Menace, it took me a little while to realize it was bad. Like I saw it, I bought tickets actually for two showings in the same day. I saw it, ate dinner and came back because I was like, knew I was going to be too excited to even process it. And it took me a beat and I was like, oh, this isn't so good. Right, okay, all right. Yeah, but it took me a while. I'm still not quite there. I still will defend aspects of Phantom Menace. There, you know, look, I want to see that Topher Grace cut that he has, that 88-minute cut of all three movies. Oh, I want to see it so bad. Cut out all Jake Lloyd and maybe it's... Maybe it, maybe it's... I, I, I'm open to it being maybe good. Um, I am open. Uh, I'm very excited also because I bought tickets to go see Back to the Future at the Arclight, which is a theater out here, and that's... That that's gonna be fun. It's like Ghostbusters at the Arclight. It's like ah, oh, it's fun when you get to see a good movie, but disappointing movies. It's it's a real bummer. Yeah, I actually fell asleep during Crystal Skull, which was like inconceivable to me that I fell fell asleep. No, I, I think your body is shutting down because they knew you can't take all this disappointment. <laughs> it's like you can't you can't handle this. Okay, take your hand in there. Okay. Any random question? Let's see. Some of them are are, are mm-hmm. horrible. Some of them are wonderful. Okay, well that's a lot now. All right. Marvel or DC? Well, that's a very good question, but easily answered for me. Which is Marvel. Okay. Very excited. I am a big uh, Marvel guy. Uh, I love my Batman, for sure. But but Marvel is where I'm going to spend a lot of time. Actually, I have a project coming up, a secret project at Marvel. What? That uh, yeah, that uh, on the on the comic book side because I made a comic book and now uh, I'm doing something with Marvel. Yeah, plug the comic. That's oh yeah, idea. yeah. You can get it on Amazon. It's called Aliens vs. Parker, and it's like a four issue series. It's collected in a trade, and there's a special. Uh, NTSF comic that's only available at Comic Con in that book, so it's super fun. It's really cheap on Amazon, so buy that up, Come please, on, people. please. And then very excited to announce eventually what our Marvel project is. Very cool. Yeah, okay. go, All go right, for good. it. Do a couple more. All right. All right. I'm glad that you're, you're rustling it for the uh, oh yeah of the audio, so it sounds. Were you ever grounded, and for what? Great question. Um, yeah, uh, a few times, and the ones I remember the most are for cursing. Um, I used to, I got this piano, a Casio keyboard, and it was, um, but the Cosby show, I don't ever remember this episode, it was with, uh, I think like Theo crashes into like Stevie Wonder's car, and or, or vice versa, Stevie Wonder crashes in, and, uh, which make more sense, and uh, Stevie Wonder invites the Cosbys over to his studio, and, uh, and they're in the studio, and he's like, hey, Theo, say something to this piano, and he's like, uh, jamming on the one. And then Stevie Wonder plays it's like, jamming, 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 jamming on the one, jamming on the one. So I thought that was amazing. And they actually made a, a Casio keyboard that you could voice sample. Right. So, of course, I used that for cursing. Yes. Uh, so, you know, I got that in my house, taping Ferris Bueller off the TV, like, you stupid fuck, 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 fuck. So I just sit in my kitchen, just like, fuck, 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 fuck. Like a million times. And my did mom it go well, uh, did not go over well. I was grounded. And my mom tried to wash my mouth out with soap. And I don't remember exactly if this was correlating. But she didn't have a bar of soap. So she just put dishwashing liquid on a sponge. Way grosser. Um, by the way, I said this to somebody else. And somebody thought this was a really interesting thing. I'll share it with you guys. I was at a Cosby show taping. Wow. Yeah. I was a very, uh, very highlight of my life to go see the Cosby's. How'd you score that? My dad was like, "You, I, I love the Cosby show. And he's like, let's go see it taped. It was in New York and it was a very easy uh, thing. And I got to see an episode with Tony Orlando. And uh, it was a great, uh, great. Hoffman Astoria Studios yeah, or something, right? Yeah, it was right? great. Yeah, okay. Um, what movie do you know by heart? For you, this is this is an easy one. Uh, you know about seven dozen, I would think. Yeah, I would say the movies that I know by heart that I'm surprised that I... Uh, obviously, Ghostbusters know it by heart. 
Ones that I'm surprised that I know by heart, Running Scared with Billy Crystal and Gregory Hines. I watched that recently again. I was like, oh, I'm doing lines from this movie. And I think it's because I used to tape record movies onto a cassette tape. Remember cassette tapes? And uh, and then re- re- just listen to them. Beverly Hills Cop is another one that I know pretty much by heart. Where, where do you come down on the Ghostbusters 2? Uh, I don't like it. Really? Um, you're just so you're super negative, or just in relation to Ghostbusters? Because in relation, argument that okay, in relations to in relation to Ghostbusters, if I'm ever having a chance to watch either or, I'm watching oh, yeah, Ghostbusters. Yeah, 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 no. um, so I haven't watched Ghostbusters two that much. I will say that I love the beginning of it. I love Venkman having that show. I love them running the occult bookstore, the birthday party stuff, uh, the Vigo stuff with Peter uh, that, McNichol. The, yeah, uh, really good. Um, the, Once it gets into like the Statue of Liberty walking down the street, not so hot on. No, I am with you. Okay. You know, so but funny, funny stuff. And I actually got to work with uh, Harold Ramis, which was amazing, and and uh, so sad that he is yeah. also uh, not to bring up two dead people in this. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but he was one of the best, He's, uh, yeah. best dudes of all time. And when I did year one with him. Uh, all he would do is tell stories, and it, but but not, like not in a bad way, like in the best way ever. I remember Mike, want. Yeah, Michael, I mean, Sarah, and I were doing this scene, and it was freezing cold, and we we're in like up to our knees and like gunk. And he's like, "Oh man, I remember we had to get slimed. It was so night." It was like, and it was like, it's so casual. And he would take us out every night, and like, and every story, every person, he would tell you a story, and it would blow your mind. And to hear firsthand Ghostbuster stories, and him telling us first, like saying, like, "Oh yeah, we didn't have a script for Ghostbusters," like. Of two, we had a date to be released, and it was like, oh, and we were rewriting it, and it was just not really, just not, never came together. And he was yeah. like, that was a big regret, I think, for everybody. The more you read about Ghostbusters and the development of that, is the more you realize why, like, they should never, especially now with Harold Sadler yeah. gone, never do a Ghostbusters three because when Aykroyd is leading the charge on the script, he Aykroyd's great. I mean, we all but like it's Aykroyd. cuckoo bananas. You yeah. need someone to rein him in and that was like Ramus and Reitman. Yeah, to make it like a, a, you know, it's like the same, yeah, it's, I think Harold Ramis is a great, uh, like a force for the entryway to crazy. Right. Like Groundhog Day is a very existential film and very interesting and one of my favorite films. But like he grounds it with the comedy and the characters and like it could in anybody else's hands it could be like a very sad, depressing movie right. and I think he knew how to balance all that stuff and uh, yeah so Ghostbusters two I should watch it again but uh, you know I mean I remember a lot yeah you know. I have one of my cherished possessions in my office back in New York is my I, I decided on the win to buy a Vigo the Carpathian oh, uh, painting just to stare at it every I day. love it that's a, that's amazing I would buy that would be something that I would have in my house. I, I were in my uh, in my like office, and I have a Peter Venkman uh, oh, nice. big doll over there, <laughs> and I have a Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. I got a lot of uh, a lot of Ghostbusters stuff in my house. Okay, let's uh, let's finish. Okay, um, this All might right. be it. Let's All see. Right, let's, so. Depending on the question. All right, got it. Here we go. If I were a rapper, <laughs> this is a tough one. If I was a rapper, my name would be man. Uh, I don't know why my first instinct was to say Parappa the rapper because then it would kind of be like it would be like a retro pop culture thing. Uh, you know, man, that's a good question. Um, I think it would have to be Sheer Genius because, nice. or that would be an album or title a, or a group. I feel like yeah, like there's something I'd have to oh, use that's my a good name. Album. Totally, you're right. Yeah. You know, Sheer Genius would be a good album. I don't know the rapper name. Like uh, maybe it's like Paul's. It's my name with a Z at the end of it. 
That Pause. Yeah. <laughs> Good tip for aspiring rappers out there. Is that a little Z? Does that feel strong enough to end on? You're, you're the podcast expert. What oh man, I don't know. I, I feel like you know what? I, I we have a we covered a lot of stuff. We did. Let me let me okay. dip in and let's just see. And you know what? If it's a bad question, You'll we'll end know. on that. You'll never, You'll never know. know. Cut it. Cut it. <laughs> Ever been arrested? Now this is a good one to end up. Yes and no. Um, I've been cuffed, but I've never been uh, processed. Um, so I was cuffed in uh, uh, Arizona shooting piranha 3D, not 3 D, which I shot uh, in North Carolina with the wonderful Ving Rams. Uh, but the uh, who was actually a lovely guy. Uh, the uh, but. Uh, I was arrested because there was a movie was run by all French guys. The director was French, uh, his producing partner was French, and we came to a small town that was meth-addled. Um, and yeah, every day you get the paper, and it'd just be like a, a blotter sheet of just arrests and drugs and guns and ridiculousness. So uh, we had all these porn stars and hot women in our movie: Kelly Brook and Riley Steele, all these people, plus a ton of other porn stars. And, uh, and not Kelly Brook is not a porn star, but she was in the mix. Uh, and so we would go to these. Clubs, clubs, bars, and uh, and shitty bars. You know, like people would say, "Don't go to that bar because you might get stabbed." And they were being honest and looking out for us. It was a metaphor. It was yeah, it was like really happening. Adam Scott, Jerry O'Connell, and I one day we just like decided to shoot handguns on a whim, and they just gave us handguns. They're like, yeah, go shoot them. I'm like, what? I've never been so frightened in my life. Uh, so anyway, uh, long story short, uh, we go to this bar. They've let in all the girls, but they don't let in our director and producer. And they're like, hey, well, we, we're, in, we're in the hotel bar, by the way. This is where we're not letting, being let in, because the hotel bar is actually a hot spot in this town. Uh, and it wasn't like a W. It was like a shit ball hotel. <laughs> and, uh, and so they wouldn't let him in. And he was like, well, you have to let us in, let us in. And they're like, fuck you. You bring all these girls here. These girls are ours. And then the bouncer punched our director, the French guy, and then we're like, whoa, what happened? And then we, they, the bouncer started a fight with the, because he didn't like these French guys. And so we all stood in this fight. It was crazy. And then the cops came and arrested all of the French guys and the people in the production. And I think someone from the town was like, you realize that this movie's bringing like hundreds of thousands of dollars to the town. Like, and your guy started it. Let them all go. Right. So our producer had a bloody nose, but then everybody else got left home. And an amazing film came out of it. So amazing every, every, film. Everybody wins. That's Bond the, the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Um, the amazing Paul Shear. Thank you, Paul, so much for being uh, for being here. This is your home. For no, but thank you for home. coming to my home. I appreciate <laughs> it. What do we need to plug? I mean, uh, I've said before, how did this get made? Is is just about my favorite which you will. I'm saying it on your show to make it locked in. <laughs> you will definitely be on our show Thanks. this afternoon when you're in LA or maybe even in New York anytime. Uh, and then uh, yeah, just for right now, like my comic book, Alan vs. Parker. It's out on Amazon. Super fun, and uh, yeah, that's it. You can, I mean, that's all you need to know really? right now. You know his work. I, I mean, got, I got, really I got new you? stuff coming up, but it's not out yet, so you can't do anything with it. So, just enjoy what you got in front of you. Just embrace the moment. Embrace it. Embrace <laughs> it. Google, you'll find some stuff. Uh, yeah, and always our Shirio Paul. If you want to go back and check out some classic recreations of our Cineo Hall talk shows, as me as our, our Cineo Hall, you can watch that. That is pretty amazing. And if, if you're the kind of person who doesn't like that, I don't know what's wrong with you. Yeah, come on. You also make sure you go deep and go find me as our Shirio Paul on Arsenio Hall, which is even more of a mind. You want your head to totally. <laughs> <laughs> Thank uh, you so much. It was so fun.